0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lands, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 27 called The Lord is My Light.
1: We are going to be in Psalm 27 tonight. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light. Uh, We are going to also be turning to 1 Samuel 22. Uh, I wanted to let you guys know that we uh, recently had been praying about our men's retreat going back up to the place that we're normally at, Running Springs, and you got to have 100 or more guys to get a specific room. And so we... We've been praying over that number, not that we need a certain number, but there, that was the number to get a certain room that we wanted. Ironically enough, we had to cancel the men's retreat <laughs> because of COVID. So we, we plan to do this uh, retreat or conference here, a one-day conference, and lo and behold, we have probably at least 120 guys coming. <laughs> so uh, that's a blessing, and that just shows us that God is faithful. And uh, tonight, we're going to look at a beautiful psalm. It's one of The more encouraging psalms, and it is a psalm about worship, as all of the psalms really are. It's Psalm 27. I have entitled it, The Lord is My Light, but I could also entitle this, Seeking the Face of God. How do you do that? What does worship really look like? Notice it opens, uh, it it could be called a psalm of trust. Um, It is a psalm of David, as you'll notice, and I want you to notice the the first verse, and then I'm going to tell you what the backdrop may be. The Lord is my light, Psalm 27, 1, and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me in spite of this, I shall be confident. Lord, as we look at this psalm tonight, would you bless your people with confidence, with faith instead of fear? Help us to understand how you're speaking to us tonight, how we can become those who seek your face and are confident in our trust in you and in our God. And we pray that you would speak and your servants would have ears to hear and a heart to obey. In Jesus' name we ask, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Now, if you turn over to your right a little bit, you're going to get to Psalm 56, and I'm going to make a connection really quick. Um, It's Psalm 52. Here it is. Just notice the top of it. It says, For the choir director, a mascal of David, when or Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said to him, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. Now, That is a pretty detailed description, isn't it, of the backdrop of a psalm. And whenever you see the top of a psalm, you're going to get an idea of what inspired the writing, if you will, or what was going on at the time. Now, no less than Spurgeon believes that the backdrop of our psalm, Psalm 27, may be the same incident. So I thought it'd be helpful for you to see the incident. And it's in 1 Samuel chapter 22, 1 Samuel 22. Now, the backdrop of the story is that David had gone to Ahimelech and he said that he was on business from the king, i.e. King Saul. That was not the truth. Uh, David was on the run and he ends up getting, being given some holy bread and he's given the sword of Goliath from Ahimelech, the priest. And uh, David doesn't give him the full truth and so he takes care of him. And in the backdrop of the story in chapter 21 of 1 Samuel Dog, this Edomite, happens to be there when this dialogue takes place between David and the priest. The sword is given to him. The bread within the tabernacle is given to him. And here in 1 Samuel 22, we get a little bit more of the story, verse 8. Saul is whining, as he did a lot. He said, For all of you have conspired against me so that, that there is no one, 1 Samuel 22, 8, who discloses to me when my son makes a covenant with the son of Jesse, that's David. There is none of you who is sorry for me, and all God's people said, wham, 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 wa or discloses to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in ambush as it is this day. Then Doeg, the Edomite, who was standing by the servants of Saul, answered and said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent uh, someone to summon Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's household eleven to the priests, the priests who were in Nob, and all of them came to the king. And Saul said, listen now, son of Ahitub. And he answered, here I am, my lord. Saul then said to him, "'Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me?' Saul was obviously freaked out and nervous and all of that. "'In that you have given him bread and a sword "'and inquired, inquired of God for him, "'that he should rise up against me "'by lying in ambush as it is this day. "'Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, "'And who among all your servants is as faithful as David?' Even the king's son-in-law, who is captain over your guard and is honored in your house, did I just begin to inquire of God for him today? Far be it from me, do not let the king impute anything to his servant or to any of the household of my father, for your servant knows nothing at all of the whole affair. And he was telling the truth. David actually wasn't truthful with him. But the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's household. And the king said to the guards who were attending him, turn around and put the priests of the Lord to death because their hand also is with David and because they knew that he was fleeing and did not reveal it to me. But the servants of the king were not willing to put forth their hands to attack the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doeg, you turn around and attack the priests and Doeg the Edomite, we might call him Dog the Edomite, turned around and attacked the priest, and he killed that day. 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He struck Nob, the city of the priests, with the edge of the sword. Both men and women, children and infants, also oxen, donkeys, and sheep. He struck with the edge of the sword. But one son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahatub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord Then David said to Abiathar, I knew on the day when Dog, the Edomite, was there that he would surely tell Saul. And then these fateful words, I have brought about death of every person in your father's household. Stay with me, don't be afraid. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. For you are safe with me. This tragic incident where David actually owns what happened, it's refreshing to see a man be a man and actually own his own mistake, even though we could say ultimately David is not responsible, but he did not tell the whole truth to Ahimelech. And then David says these words, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. You want to talk about something tough to live with? Talk about, you know, reflecting on a moment in your life where you thought you were doing the right thing. And it it amazes me how David takes responsibility back to Psalm 27. No less than Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, believes that Psalm 27 may have the backdrop of what I just read to you, and that David wrote what he wrote in the wake of this terrible incident where he felt somewhat responsible, and he says that he was responsible for the death of 85 priests, but not only that, this dog, the Edomite, went into the city of Nob and killed women and children, and young and old, and it was a brutal, brutal situation, And in the wake of that event, David wrote Psalm 52 as we saw the heading, but maybe as well Psalm 27. And I want you to just be thinking about that to understand that when the psalmist writes some of the psalms, the pain and the anguish and the difficulty behind the writing is something that often gives us a lot more insight than we had before. Now read the opening verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? David had spent a lot of his life on the run from Saul, from his own son Absalom, who wanted to kill him and take the throne from his father, from men like Dog who uh, hated him and wanted to kill him. And David, even though he was a warrior and a shepherd, he points to the Lord as his light and his salvation or his deliverance. And then he says, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense or the strength, New King James, the stronghold. ESV, NIV, the fortress of my life, whom shall I dread? Now, sometimes when you see a psalm, the psalmist is asking himself questions in light of what he knows about God. And I think that we need to do some of this as well. Sometimes we have something that floods our heart and it's something like this. It's like, I'm afraid, or I realize that this person hates me, or this group of people is after me, or someone's trying to tarnish my name, or someone has it out for me. What should I do? And sometimes we have fear that floods our heart. Fear is a very normal human condition. And fear has been a dominant theme for our culture for at least the last six months. But I'll tell you that there's people who live in fear every day, no matter if there's a COVID outbreak or whatever else may be going on. They are petrified by life. Hebrews chapter two says people live in fear of death their whole lives. Fear is a very real human condition And David had to ask himself, since the Lord is my life, whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Now, when the Bible uses a uh, image like light or a metaphor of light, it's good to contrast it with the opposite, which is darkness. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 5, that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. God is light. And light is the opposite of darkness. And the Bible says that God has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son, or He's transferred us into His marvelous light. And then the result is that we are to walk as children of light. We are no longer in the darkness. And darkness is a metaphor for the kingdom of darkness and the prince of darkness, Satan himself, and all that that represents. And the metaphor, if you walk it out, Jesus said the religious leaders of his day were hypocrites and they were like blind men leading blind men. And if a blind man leads a blind man, will they not fall into a pit, Jesus said.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: If you just tuned in, then you missed the first half of today's edition of Walk in Truth. That's okay. You can listen to this episode and many others whenever it's convenient for you on your free Living Truth app. Walk in Truth is also on your favorite podcast app. Simply search for and subscribe to Walk in Truth on apps like Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and many more. Listening to a podcast as well as radio is a great way to get some time in the word when you're walking, catching up on some work, or if you're like me and just need to listen to some Bible teaching while getting ready in the morning. Remember, you can find Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth.
1: God is light. And light is the opposite of darkness. And the Bible says that God has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, or he's transferred us into his marvelous light. And then the result is that we are to walk as children of light. We are no longer in the darkness. And darkness is a metaphor for the kingdom of darkness and the prince of darkness, Satan himself, and all that that represents. And the metaphor, if you walk it out, Jesus said the religious leaders of his day were hypocrites and they were like blind men leading blind men. And if a blind man leads a blind man, will they not fall into a pit, Jesus said. This is what happens with spiritual darkness. Sometimes we wonder why people can't see, why they can't understand uh, truth and light. And light is a, a metaphor in the Bible for God. God is light for his truth it also speaks of comfort, love, and hope. So it's a beautiful picture, light in our lives. The Lord, the declaration of the opening, is my light. And notice, it is, he is my salvation. Whenever you see the word salvation in Hebrew, to the best of my knowledge, that will be the word Yeshua, which translates into Greek, Jesus. Jesus is God's salvation. And listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 3, and 4. It says these words. It says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. David will say in another place that the Lord illumines my darkness. And it's interesting to think about how your life has changed and my life has changed since the light of the gospel flooded my soul. See, now I can see a lot more things with clarity than I used to be able to see. Light exposes darkness. Now I can see things for what they really are. And there's a lot of people who are blinded by the God of this world. In fact, Isaiah 5, 20 and 21 has been getting a lot of attention these days, but listen to it with the metaphor in mind in our psalm. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. There are people today who call darkness light and they call light darkness. They just don't get it. They have substituted good for evil and evil for good. They cannot seem to see the light of the glory of God. In Psalm 4, 6, it says, Many are saying, who will show us any good? And then the psalmist says, Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. Light, it arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate to the righteous. When Jesus was walking the planet, he was the light of God Who had come into our our darkness. In fact, it says, In him was light, and that light was the life of men. John chapter 1. Jesus said, Whoever follows me will not remain in darkness, he will have the light of life. Jesus is the light coming into the world, illumining every person. But some people refuse to come to the light. John chapter 3, Jesus still speaking lest their deeds should be, what? Exposed. They won't come to the light because they know the light of God will expose their darkness. And in order to be ultimately healed, you must come into the light. In order to have sin lose its power in your life, you must put it into the light. You must let God deal with it. In fact, James 5.16 even says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. That can be very difficult. It says of the Lord, he covers himself with light as with a cloak, Psalm 104, verse 2, stretching out heaven like a tent curtain. Just like David says, The Lord is my shepherd, in Psalm 23, in Psalm 27, he says, The Lord is my light. He leads me, he guides me, he illumines my life. In fact, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, Psalm 119, 105. And the reason why the word of God is light is because it comes from the God who is light. I've told you the story before, but many years ago, we, we had some young boys who were from the African Children's Choir, and we had them stay over at our house. And we had a bunch of host families way back in the day in our church, and the kids were still young. And uh, we had, I think, three boys, three African boys stay at our house and we got to drive them to a couple places to have ice cream and stuff. And they, they were part of the choir, so they liked to sing. And they were in the back seat of my car, and they broke out into song. He is your light. He is my light. And they started singing in the back of the air, he is your light. And they would call everybody, Uncle, Uncle Michael, listen to the song. He is your light. He is my light. And we're all in the car. Oh, yeah, baby, here we go. And whenever I would drive them somewhere, they would say, thank you, Uncle Michael, for driving us somewhere and may God richly bless you. And then I looked at my kids and I said, do you see that? (laughs) Do you hear that? They're blessing me wherever I drive them. This is amazing. Anyway. (laughs) I love you guys. You guys are very polite young men. Never mind. Jesus is my light. And because that's true, look at the result. Here's the question that you should ask yourself. If the Lord is your light, if you're saved out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light, then whom shall you fear? Or can I put it another way? Why, do you, why are you so afraid? If the Lord is your light, if you really believe he's going to write, he's written the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story, why are you so afraid? You know, there's a lot of Christians today that operate their whole lives in fear. And if you let fear immobilize you, then the enemy has you exactly where he wants you. See, I don't have to fear because I know in whom I've trusted. Now, there's times when I'm afraid, certainly. Fear is is an emotion that we deal with. It's a reaction to circumstances. But I think we need to ask ourselves, if we believe the first part of verse 1, then we should say, then whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. He's my protection, my stronghold. Whom shall I dread? In the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, verse 31, it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that? Do you believe that's true, or do you believe that's just a Bible verse that you quote? (laughs) It's true. But here's where we need the light of God's word to help us when we are being invaded by the darkness of fear David says, "When evildoers came upon me to devour," First Peter five eight says the the uh, devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Here David says, "Evildoers were looking to eat me up or devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies." What happened to them? They stumbled, and they fell. Though a host encamp against me, and David certainly had that as Saul's army was searching for him, and Absalom had an army that would go after him. He said, Though I had a whole host, a whole army against me, encamped, ready to battle the next day, if you will, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, here's that word against again. In spite of this, what's David say? I shall be confident. One thing I've asked from the Lord and that I shall seek or seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold or gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple or his tabernacle. As I was studying this, I was thinking that David, through the power of the Holy Spirit, just gave us a clue as to why he's confident, even in the worst of times, because he moves his gaze off of his circumstances and on to God. I mentioned to you that when we studied the, the little exhortation in 1 Thessalonians 5 where it says to pray always or pray without ceasing, I told you that that word in Greek can be defined as a Godward gaze. It doesn't mean that you're not going about your day or driving in your car or doing your work or whatever it may be. But on a deeper level, there's a gaze that is fixed on God. It's it's a turning your eyes away, and I use eyes in quotes here because it's not always possible to turn away from something, but it's it's turning your heart to God. Worship, please hear me well. Worship at its root, if you were to break down the definition of worship, it means to draw near to God. Worship is to draw near.
0: You've been listening to The Lord is My Light, part one on Walk in Truth. And that's Pastor Michael's teaching in Psalm 27. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth on this station and on your podcast app. If you'd like to watch this message by Pastor Michael in its entirety, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Living Truth Christian Fellowship. You can find the channel and learn more about Walk in Truth on our website, walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael.
1: Well, Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And you might be saying, Well, I'm afraid of a lot of things right now. That question, you know, I've got a list. Uh, I'm afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid of, you know, losing my health. I'm I'm afraid uh, for my loved one. I'm afraid uh, over this and that. Hey, this life could be filled with, you know, truckloads of fear. But you don't have to be afraid because the Lord is your light and your salvation. And you don't have to be in the darkness of fear. You can be in the light of the Lord. And to step into the light is a decision that we make. And I just want to encourage you, if you've been away from the Word of God for a while, if things feel a little bit heavy, dark, and cloudy, dive back into the deep end of your Bible. Open up to the book of Psalms. Maybe read Psalm 14 or Psalm 27 or Psalm 42 or 46. It'll be medicine for your soul. Now I want to invite you to our special 2B1 Valentine game night happening February the 12th from 7 to 9.30. That's tomorrow. It's safe, fun. It's for couples who are dating, engaged, or married. It just got to be over 18, $10 a couple, child care provided. Uh, Just be a fun, relaxing night to just hang out with your significant other and enjoy some fellowship and some fun. Now you can get driving directions. You can sign up all of that stuff on the living truth app, download it in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars, living truth, Christian fellowship. And I hope to see you here. God bless.
0: And join us tomorrow for part two of pastor Michael's message in Psalm 27 called the Lord is my life i'm mike massaro thanks for listening to walk in truth where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with god's truth to all people